I have been atop a glacier, and I once hugged a sequoia. I've dipped my toes into oceans and been just shy of the Arctic Circle. I stumbled and twisted my ankle pretty bad on a cobblestone street in New Orleans, got to see snow on the Grand Canyon, and just recently saw pouring rain in Death Valley. I've sang my little heart out with strangers at an old pub at a base of Cheyenne Mountain in Colorado and smoked cigars on a rooftop on my one and only night ever in New York City. I've also helped create life and I've felt the heartache of losing loved ones. I've said way too many things I shouldn't have said and I've regretted staying quiet on several occasions. I've had moonshine, I've had whiskey, I've had vodka and wine. There's a lot more, but that's pretty good for now. Good morning, everyone. That was my Facebook post for May 8th, 2018. This is May 9th, 2018. Wow, I skipped a year. This is May 9th, 2018. Uh, and I wanted to expand on that post. I wanted to go a little bit further into some of those uh, places that I've had the opportunity and the privilege to travel to. Uh, and so that's what you get from me today. So, uh, put your backpack on. Uh, let's put you know put our foot out the door. You never know where we're gonna end up. That is a pretty shitty Lord of the Rings reference. I know it. You know it. Feel free to tweet me about that. I apologize. I should know my token better. A glacier. So my wife grew up. Uh, actually, she spent her high school years in Alaska. Her dad was in the military, and they were stationed up there. So once uh, we got to be a little bit older, we decided to go back and return to a homecoming for her, go visit some old pals, and she would just show me around what Fairbanks, Alaska was like. I, and I had a lot of misconceptions about the place. Uh, actually, I didn't have a lot of misconceptions. My, my only thought that it was always cold and people lived in igloos. I know, I'm college educated, but I'm also an idiot, and I really thought that people lived in igloos. Uh, after she slapped the shit out of me for a second, uh, I'm kidding, there's no physical violence here, don't call anybody, relax. But after she figuratively slapped the shit out of me for being an idiot, uh, she booked tickets and sure enough, we headed out to Fairbanks, Alaska. Uh, we, I had my first layover in Seattle, uh, a place that I would really, really like to travel one day to, um, the state, uh, Washington, right? Washington. But anyways, we had our first layoff in Seattle, made it, all, made it all up to Fairbanks, got picked up by her friend, and we spent about a week and a half in gorgeous Alaska, and I do mean gorgeous. You know, there's a lot of wonderful places in, Southern, in California to visit. There, I think that our national forests, um, I think that our national monuments, our national parks... They are a treasure, and at least once in your life, you owe it to yourself to travel to one of these spots and check it out. I don't think you'll ever go wrong going to a national park. It, it, they are just amazing places, and they really do feed your soul. And I get it. I know I'm not religious, but I've, I guess my definition of a soul is whatever that part of you is connected to all of the energy around us to all of the things that makes us us, I think uh, national parks reconnect you to that energy and recharge you. And no, I'm not one of these, you know, crystal people. Uh, no shade on crystal people. But I do, I always feel like I have come out refreshed 
from going to a national park. I feel that I have seen the wonder of nature and the wonder of things as they are. And it gives me perspective on how small I really am, how little I really am in the great scheme of things, but also how connected I am to the great scheme of things, if there is such a thing. So, we, uh, my, my, well, to say that California has some amazing places, and, I, and I've referenced some of them already in the passage, but Alaska is, to me anyways, the world's most giant national park. Um, it takes a long time to drive and to get to anywhere. There is a lot of space where there's nothing going on and there's just trees for hours. Uh, the population is not very big, so you, you don't have to worry about big cities. Anchorage, as a matter of fact, uh, would be like in Ontario, California here. It's not a, a very large city at all. Uh, and yeah, it's busy and it's got it's it's got its city life issues, but it's not anything like the metropolis that Los Angeles or New York uh, or Chicago is. Not by any means. And if if uh, Anchorage is small, then Fairbanks is even tinier. Um, you know, it's funny when the, the elections were going on when the, uh, McCain chose Palin to be uh, you know, a running mate. And they were going on and on and on about Wasilla, Alaska, where she had been mayor. I thought, well, it's going to be a big city. And we've driven through Wasilla. Uh, and guess what? You can literally drive through the city in five minutes. It is tiny, 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 tiny. I think Monrovia, where I live in Southern California, is it's a, much big, it's a bigger city or it has a lot more going on. But it, all of that is to tell you that you really are in as close to nature as you're ever going to get. It's a big state that for the most part just have these big expanses of land uh, where it is just nature doing what nature does. And during the time of year that we went, it was actually pretty humid. It was warm. Uh, I'm going to say temperatures was in the 70s. Uh, so it was more akin to like a Florida uh, than it was frigid Alaska. And... It was also during that time of year where there are almost 20 somewhat hours of daylight, which is pretty crazy. Uh, I remember going to a club, and when I say club, it's not what you're thinking of. It's basically a bar uh, with, you know, it, it isn't like the super expensive snooty clubs here that we have in L.A. We're just talking about a bar with a DJ, but that was their version of a club, at least the one that we were taken to. And we get there like at 9 p.m., uh, you know, typical, I guess, and leave at 2 in the morning and you're exhausted and you've been drinking and you come out and it looks like 5 o'clock in the afternoon. It fucks with you. I had the worst plane ride because uh, that was our last night in Alaska and going from partying hard, drinking, then having an eight-hour drive to get on a plane, to get back into L.A., uh, and it's still light out. It fucks with you. And I had a pretty bad plane ride. I was so I was so glad that there weren't a lot of folks on the plane because I was using the laboratory, because uh, I'm fancy, the laboratory, uh, quite often during that trip back to, to Los Angeles. One thing you didn't need to know, but now you know it. So, yeah, I got sick on a plane. Deal with it. But during that trip, we were actually going, we were t taking a, a, a ride from Anchorage to a place called Valdez because we were going to do a three-hour tour 
on the water to to get to an iceberg or to, you know where the where the glacier meets the ice and along the way because you can do this in Alaska you can pull off and you can start hiking a glacier you can just do that and my wife and I I was super super excited we didn't have any right gear we didn't have hiking boots we were, we were LA kids I mean we just had tennis shoes and a light jacket uh and but but I was so excited just because there's a fucking glacier staring at me and it's been there for hundreds of thousands of years if not longer than that and I can just drive up to it and I can just start walking on top of it and sure enough I have pictures of myself and my wife at the time, well, my wife just scaling this thing and with these tiny little ants and there are crevasses and you couldn't fall and, and, and it was probably one of the stupidest things to do because we had no real, you know, we shouldn't have been there. But just the excitement of being on top of something that old, that ancient, I couldn't help myself. I just had to say, I just had to be on, on it. And I think that's a big part of my life is that I want to be able to say I did I did that I accomplished that I was on top of it I conquered it for lack of a better term you know I I've done things in my life and and that is one of my greatest uh one of my greatest one of my most favorite memories is I am standing on top of this glacier in like a very thin shirt uh some corduroy pants and, and some tennis shoes and I had my hands up in the air and like that victory sign because here I was, East LA Hugo, on top of a fucking glacier. It is, I have been, uh, we've traveled to Alaska every so often to go visit family now. And I, I, I have been on top of glaciers, even with my son. Uh, I, have a, I have a picture of me holding my baby girl and with my son on top of this ice sheet. And there is just water running through uh, the different little crevasses because these things are melting. I'm not going to get into the whole climate uh, thing. Uh, the, we'll deal with that some other day. But that's that, that's heartbreaking, though, that that is happening. But there's just water streaming down, and you're hearing the ice crack, and you realize that, that, that there's a reason why they call them rivers of ice. Because these things, for as still as they seem to be, they are moving. There is churning going on there it is it is impacting and for me to again you have an east la kid find himself at i don't know age 20 or whatever it was on top of one of these things and then six seven years later to have my son and my daughter uh on top uh, again hiking another one and just hearing it crack and churn and move it is an amazing feeling and, and one I am very proud of because I never thought of myself as doing that. There's so many kids in my old neighborhood that never left. Uh, I'm not, and, I, and I'm not, you know, being hyperbolic. There, there, there's a lot of people in, in my old East LA neighborhood that never left. They, they've done things around town or they've done things in the state, but they've never left. They've not gone anywhere because that, the culture keeps them there. Um, but in, and so for me to have left East LA and to have gone on and seen things and traveled to places and taken and taken pictures, that's that's what I'm about is is those experiences. So that was the glacier, the sequoia. Uh, just a few years ago, we were at Kings Canyon National Park monument, one or the others, I forget. And 
I have this picture of we were there with, with with a bunch of families and friends because that's one of the things that we do is we take annual hiking uh, camping trips with friends and families, and I have a a photo of about twenty of our kids and the adults uh, crossing this sequoia that has fallen on the ground, and there they are, and easily. We could have fit another 40 people on this thing and had more room to grow. You know, they could have crossed it as a bridge. And I have these dumb impulses of just, you know, if you're going to call me a tree hugger, then I'm literally going to do it. And I hugged the sequoia and my arms couldn't even come close to wrapping my, my way around it. It is, it is one of the most amazing living, well, this one was dead, but living, uh, former living things that I have ever encountered. Um, and it's very sad for me anyways to, when when you walk around Kings Canyon, that you see that there was a time when people didn't take these things seriously. They didn't, they, they, or maybe they felt off for it, but they didn't understand the treasure that they had and that they cut them down. There's this picture that's seared in my brain of, um, these people that are just trying to make a living, it's not like they're bad guys. They're, they're, just guys, they're just guys that needed to make a buck back in the day. They had the, This is the work that they had. And if they said, cut down this grove of trees, then you cut down the grove of trees. But you have this picture of about 40 guys who are standing in front of this tree with you know tens of thousands of years or whatever long it is of, uh, of, that this thing was around for back in the day. And now... You can see them clearly because they've toppled it and, and they're grinning and they're smiling. And I don't know, that breaks my heart. That breaks my heart that we cannot we cannot see something so miraculous and beautiful and, and not want to preserve it. And, and I'm sorry, that's, 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 that's wrong to say because we have preserved it, right? That's the reason why the National Parks uh, system got started. Uh, I think Teddy Roosevelt began that back in the day. And I just saw this, I've seen this Ken Burns uh, documentary about the National Park Service. And it, it's, it's, it's I, I, don't quote me on the title, but it's something along the lines of the National Park Service, like America's greatest treasure or America's greatest gift. That's going to bug me. I'll find out for you guys. But yes, that we do, that we, or at least some administrations, some people in, in the U.S., do take these places seriously, and uh, they, take, they, they have taken these places seriously, and they have reserved land. And even in my own backyard here in the San Gabriel Valley, we do now also have a national monument, I believe, uh, and it's so that our foothills, people can't, can't keep building on them, because we would. We, there is so much need for housing in Southern California that we would continue up the hills here where I live, and that would be a shame. And I'm, and I'm very glad that the people of my city decided to put a stop to it and actually buy land so that there couldn't be any further development. And that is, that is very cool. And, and I will say that there, are, there is a lot of love for the land. Um, so I take that back. There is a lot of love for the land. I think that it's foolish for some of our fellow men and women to not cherish it, not cherish it. I have just recently heard that uh, Joshua Tree National Park, uh, they're act, they're starting to mine again, and that the residents of Joshua Tree, the ones that live around it, are upset with that because 
they're mining for shit that they don't need to mine, and, and that's taking away from tourism, which is actually one of the biggest uh, feeders to the local economy there. And that for the, for the most part, the, the majority of people that do go to to Joshua Tree, they are they're not quite conservationists, but they do understand and, and mine the land and take care of the land and understand how precious it is. So it's, it's it, for the most part, a good set of people to go to Joshua, National, Joshua Tree National Park. But instead of, but, you know, this current administration uh, is, you know, allowing mining back into the area. And why? When nobody's asking for it. And that's what I mean, is the, uh, the, you know, that for the sake of exploiting resources that we would destroy such natural places. I don't know much about the Hetch Hetchy Dam or or that area, but I know that was also a point of contention. And I do follow some accounts where they're trying to, that's near Sequoia National Park, where they are trying to restore the Hetch Hetchy Valley. Uh, But again, that was back once in a day when somebody got an idea that, hey, we need to dam things, we need to do, you know, we need resources, so we're just going to destroy pristine places in in the world. That's so sad to me. But, you know, the whole point of me saying all that is because I hugged the sequoia. I, Hugo Torres, hugged the sequoia, and I'm very proud of that. Uh, Shy of the Arctic Circle, again, that was that trip to Alaska, the first one, and we have been driving and driving and driving, and we have actually crossed the Yukon Valley, and there was this sign that said, 60 miles to the Arctic Circle, and I had it in my fucking head that I wanted to say, in my life, I have been to the Arctic Circle. Now, my wife tells me, it's just a sign. And you're, you know, it's just a sign. What are you making a big deal out of it? But for me, it's Pixar didn't happen, right? So I cannot, I cannot claim to have been in the Arctic Circle. I came very close, but I, I've never made it to the Arctic Circle. And I will do it one day, by the way. Um, but I always give her shit for that because she kept me from my dream of making it. And she didn't, uh, she didn't gonna get back on the road and and go up that high because. We still had a six, seven hour drive back and she didn't want to take advantage of our friend who had lent us, lent us their car. So we packed up our, you know, bags and got back on the road. And, and, I, and I, forever since then, whenever I want to try to win an argument, I'll bring up the Arctic Circle thing. And uh, I still don't win the argument. I'm never going to win the argument. Um, but at least it's my last Hail Mary. Maybe it'll, you know, it'll make a difference, but it never does. Uh, stumbled and twisted my ankle bad on a cobblestone street. Now you would assume it was because I was drunk, and no, I was drunk before that. I was drunk after that, but actually not had in New Orleans. I did not. I wasn't drunk when I twi- twisted my ankle. No, I was actually running back to our hotel room to get some uh, bus passes that we had bought, for, you know, for the city. Um, New Orleans is a very special place. I didn't think I was going to like it at first. I was there for a conference, a, a, a real estate conference. I had to present and get in and receive some awards for the company that I worked with at the time. And it it seemed exciting. At the same time, it seemed a little bit scary. Now, mind you that I, we went to New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina, uh, several years after. So the city was starting to recover. And uh, the, the, the uh, area that we stayed in, which was very close well, it's it's very close to Bourbon Street. We were like two blocks away. Um, 
it, 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 it's just an amazing place to go to from the standpoint of of the people of the culture of the food what i did not why i did not think that i was going to like it is that when we first got off the plane and got onto the street the humidity was incredible it was just like it was just this blanket of heat that grabbed me and it and i have been in other humid places like florida but never quite like new orleans and so we get on a taxi this was way before uber kids we get on a taxi we start driving towards our hotel in uh, in new orleans and the first thing that uh, we see as we're trying to get through these tiny little streets heading into our hotel as we start getting into the hotel and getting past the crowd is that there's literally a woman peeing on the side of the road and we're not talking one in the morning we're talking eight o'clock at night she's peeing and then on the opposite side of the road there's two people and they're arguing and they're fighting they haven't quite come to blows but they're in each other's faces and then the kicker was when we were starting to get when we got out of our taxi uh again you let in that air and it smelled it smelled like pee and I thought, holy fuck, this is going to suck. If, if if this area is this dirty, this gross, this is going to be a long week. Because if you don't know this about me, I'm a germaphobe. I, I do not like ickiness. I don't like any of that. I'm not comfortable around you know dirty stuff. And if I am going to be walking about a place where vomit and pee and bodily fluids are around, I'm going to have a freak out. Uh, so, uh, that was my, my, that that was how I was introduced to New Orleans. It wasn't my favorite. Uh, I I thought I was going to have a terrible time, but it actually, the city does charm me. It is quite wonderful. And for somebody that loves history as much as I do, and somebody who has read so many Anne Rice novels throughout the years, it is uh, the place to, to, to be. Um, there's this book, uh, I, I, one of my favorite books that I've ever read. It's uh, 1963, um, November 22nd, 1963. It's by Stephen King, and it's basically a book about if you could go, if a character could go back and um, stop the Kennedy assassination, how would that look like? And I, I, and I highly suggest, uh, suggest you reading it, especially if you love Stephen King. It's, it's one of my favorite books of all time. But anyways, uh, it is so well-researched, though, that it talks about streets and it talks about places. And my understanding is that Stephen King went to New Orleans and traveled all these spots. And the whole point of me telling you that is to say that uh, as somebody that is kind of obsessed with the John F. Kennedy assassination, to have been in uh, on streets and I have actually walked by... Uh, the apartment where Lee Harvey Oswald stayed, uh, and also you know that you know that, that so many things have happened. We actually dined at a place where Napoleon happened to be at for a certain part. There's a I didn't realize this at the time, but Benito Juarez, uh, he was a Mexican politician, an old Mexican politician and hero to a lot of people. He uh, he was in New Orleans for some time after some shit went down in Mexico. And that, you know, just the fact that there I was, um, there I was with, uh, in, in that amount of history. Also, you walk the, you walk the cemeteries in New Orleans and you have, uh, where Lestat, the vampire was supposed to have been buried. I know he isn't. I don't believe in vampires, 
but just because I love the novels, just to think that I was around where Lestat was buried, that was pretty cool. Or the fact that some of the graves are, you know, on top of the ground because they can't bury people because of how wet uh, the ground can be uh, with all the rains and, and some of the floods that they've had over the years. Or walk by where there's some Confederate uh, buildings. I think, um, was it Jefferson Davis? I don't know. Whoever the president of the Confederacy was, the fact that he, he one of his residences was there, that was pretty awesome. The fucking food! The food is amazing. But I, I would say this, I wouldn't eat necessarily on, on spots right on Bourbon Street. Those are very touristy. you got to get out and about. It was also the every time that I went to a place, very. it wasn't the Everglades. I know it's not the Everglades, so don't get mad at me. But it was a place that resembled the Everglades. And we took this airboat ride and got to see uh, alligators or crocodiles uh, come up to our boat and eat chicken right off the hands of the guy that was giving us the tour. That is freaking amazing. But I think one of my favorite memories, and again, we're talking about uh, the spot where uh, Napoleon was a, stayed for a while. We were having, it's, very, it's lit by candlelight. Um, it's very cozy, very coy. It's, you, can, you can feel the age of the place. You can feel the history there. So there, there is, is my wife and myself. We're having a couple of glasses of wine. We're waiting for a dinner. There's the the moon uh, is a full moon is bright and it's kind of, and it's shining right on top of us because we were in an open court kind of restaurant. And from the background, you could hear one of the steamboats um, blow their horn. And fucking a, I was taken back to. I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's just one of those feelings like you're in a novel, right? And you have this gorgeous woman right in front of you, and she's sipping on her champagne, and you're trying to make her laugh, and you're trying. And we were there for our anniversary, our actually our tenth year anniversary, and you realize it, it's those moments where you realize that you were. I don't believe in destiny, but that I got so very lucky in finding somebody as amazing and as special as her and I got to share this moment with her. I'll, I'll, I, there's another way that I go about thinking about it. I read a book once and I can't recall what it was. It was in a sociology course and they talk about males and, and, and what drives males. And it said something along the lines, and I'm probably paraphrasing way badly because this was over 20 years ago, but that men seldom find perfect moments in their life. They don't come often. They're, they're extremely rare, right? And, and, and they record them and they put them in their vault in their mind. And then they spend the rest of their life trying to recreate those moments. And for me, that's a moment that I will always want to recreate. The, the challenge is that it has to happen organically. So you can't really plan it, right? But if I could, I would. Just the thought of her, her green eyes, the way that the wine uh, and how the light shine off the wine, her lips, how gorgeously red and plump her lips look. Uh, there was a little bit of a breeze, just a, a slight breeze, and but her hair was just 
moving with it. And and then she gave me, I think, one of the greatest treasures that my wife can ever give me, and that's her laugh. Uh, Because I may not be to you, but I think that my wife finds me pretty funny. She will tell you that that's bullshit and that I have old material and I need to come up with new material. But I, I, I think I make her laugh a lot in in a good way and but when but and and then so i do things i say things just to get that laugh because it is as it's a natural a natural drug for me uh he is hearing her laugh is amazing all right oh i'm getting uh twitter pated here okay chill out chill out we still have a lot more other stuff to go to All right, so that was New Orleans. Oh, yeah, so I twisted my ankle. I was just running around. The cobblestone streets are all even, and I fell, and and so there I was on the ground just holding on to my ankle, and people are walking back, probably thinking, that fucker's drunk. And I wasn't, I promise, I swear. After, yes. Before that, yes. Not that morning. But, hey, when when in New Orleans. I got to see it in snow in the Grand Canyon. Uh, a few years back, we went to, uh, we actually were going to Sedona. We stayed in Sedona for Christmas, uh, in which I, Sedona in Christmas time, I highly recommend more than anything because it's gorgeous. It really is. But it does, it's, it, the town gets sleepier. Um, and so there's not a lot of tourists like I would think that there would be in the summertime. Although I will say this, that I will, ne- I have never been in Sedona in the summertime. I have only been there during the winter. But it's it's gorgeous to go to. But then you can drive, I think, four or five hours to the Grand Canyon. And we're Southern California people. We're you know, we're flip flops and jeans type of folks. And so it was my little kids, uh, and my wife and I. We head up to the Grand Canyon, and we're literally in like flip flops. Some so- you know the kids have some socks. And we have these thin little shirts. Uh, on because we think it's the Grand Canyon, it's going to be hot, and no, it is 30 degrees out, and there's snow everywhere. Um, we were not prepared for it, but we had also driven so far that we were not going to leave, and what I didn't realize about the Grand Canyon, if you've never been there, is that there, at the edge of it, there's a fence, right? But it's because the Grand Canyon, you can't fence it perfectly, right? There's these little gaps in the fence where there you could fall. A little person could fall. And I have my son, and he's bumbling around. hes I don't remember how old he was. He's probably about six or seven. No, he was less than that. Anyways, he's just running around. Oh, Daddy, look, there's the snow. Oh, this is fun. We're seeing snow. And he's slipping and sliding, and I just keep on seeing him get closer to the fence. And and I, I if I had, if I'm I'm a germaphobe for one thing, I also have a fear of heights, not crippling, but I do not like being near edges. And just to have him fucking around near a fence and just seeing the potential for him to you know go off the side freaked me the fuck out. And so. I had a handle on, you know those parents that sometimes put the leashes on their kids? I, I think that's terrible, by the way. That is just my own personal view. Like, come on, free range them a little bit. But this this is the one and only time where I would think it'd be all right to have, you know, something to be able to pull back on the kid in case uh, he got loose. But, you know, the Grand Canyon, it is truly and utterly amazing. My goal one day is to hike it down. My goal would be to raft it one day. Uh, I have done whitewater rafting before here in California. It's something that you never, uh, that, that at least for me, that I fell in love with and would like to do again. Uh, I think we have an opportunity coming up here 
in a few weeks. Uh, we, our, our usual camping trip buddies, uh, they want to go uh, whitewater rafting with the kids, so we might do that. But if you haven't tried it, I highly recommend it. Uh, and, and you don't have to go to Colorado. If you're in California, there is whitewater rafting here off of the what's, the, the, what's the name of that river? What's the main river that we have in California? I don't know. It's near Sacramento. Look it up. I don't have to do all the homework for you. But, yeah, a snow on the Grand Canyon. I not, never thought of the place that way, but it is absolutely gorgeous. And then on the flip side, just a few, mo- uh, just a few weeks ago, we went to Death Valley. It's a desert here in Southern California, bordering also Nevada. And we had gone to see a b- amazing crater. And on our way back, it started pouring rain. And, you know, you hear all about flash floods and, uh, and all that good stuff. And I was actually worried for a little bit. When I say huge rain, it's huge rain for Southern California people. It's not, you know, what you probably get down in the Amazon. But because we are in a desert and it's flatland and any little bit of water can collect real fast and cause some damage, I was worried some. But, yeah, I mean, raining in the desert. Like, how fucking cool is that? Uh, and, and then you get out of your car and it's, you know, 95 degrees at 11 in the morning and it's still raining on top of you. It is a trippy, trippy thing. It's like when we went to Florida, my wife and I, um, and we were in Disney World and we're walking and we're just walking around the park and the warmest water rainwater you have ever felt starts pouring down on us and so we don't have to worry we're just having the time of our life going to from uh, attraction to attraction soaking wet but because it's the water so warm there that I never felt a chill not until probably I get got into the air-conditioned car on the way back to our hotel but uh, warm rain, it is the best. I, like I said, I, I, I loved it. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. So that was Death Valley. Sang my little heart out with strangers at an old pub at the base of Cheyenne Mountain. There is a pub called the Golden Bee Pub. And it sits just a block and a half away from the Broadmoor Hotel in Colorado Springs, uh, Colorado. And... Again, I was there for another real estate conference. Uh, but you get to this pub, and it's been around forever, I think since the 1800s. I hope I don't get my facts wrong. You know, uh, wrong. I, I probably should be looking this shit up on, on, the, uh, on the computer. You know what? I'll put some, notes on, uh, I'll put some notes later on. You can look up these places. But the Golden Bee um, pub, they have an old piano there, and somebody just playing songs. Uh, so it's basically karaoke. Uh, and there's mugs of beer, and people are drinking whiskey, and I'm one of those cats that, if you're a friendly person at a bar, and you want to have a conversation, I'll talk to you, and it's not like a trying to hook up kind of deal, Uh, not at all, I will talk to young, I will talk to old, I will talk to men, I will talk to women, and it's not a, oh, fucking A, it's, hey, I want to get to know you, stranger, just and I will never talk again. You, 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 you make you could look me up on the Facebook, but you may not like you know friend me. But at least we're gonna have a really good chat. We're going to laugh. We're gonna have some drinks. We're gonna sing some songs. And I, I was I, I remember holding up my mug and leading the entire group in in a song. We're probably singing Piano Man, which is one of my favorite songs. If, if we ever karaoke, you and I, I will sing uh, Piano Man. 
uh, at one point or another in the evening. But we had 50 people there, a lot of them, you know, strangers to me. And we are just having the time of my life. And there, and then afterwards, like 1, 2 in the morning, whenever we're leaving, drunks and skunks, we head over to the Broadmoor Hotel, which is, again, another amazing place to, to visit. It's a resort, too. Um, but some of the nicest linens that I have ever slept on. Um, I got into bed you know, that first night, and I literally felt the difference. I have never been one of threat counts or anything like that. I'm kind of ghetto. I'll sleep on anything. But I'm not sure what happened there. I'm sorry about that. All right. Well, get back to it, right? Uh, where were we? Uh, we talked about Colorado. Oh, and the Broadmoor, one of the best places that I've, that I've ever been to. I highly recommend it. And it does sit at the base of Cheyenne Mountain in Colorado, uh, which... Uh, I think there's a military base there, uh, maybe Air Force, something like that. Uh, really cool spot. I highly recommend it. Smoke cigars on a rooftop in New York City. I went to a real estate training in Persephone, New Jersey, of all places. And Persephone is a sleepy little town. Uh, there's not much going on there. So come 6, 7 o'clock. I'm sorry, come 8, 9 o'clock when... Um, the, the only place really you can have a drink is at the hotel bar and maybe you can drive into their little town and again go check out a club which is not really a club at least not by LA standards but but uh, a lot of the cats there wanted to try to make it out to New York we had one night to do it in we hired uh, some limo um, to come out and drive us and I had a buddy that was staying in New York. He was doing an internship at a marketing firm. And he, I called him up and said, hey, I'm coming into the city. Do you want to hook up? Uh, do you want to meet up? Sorry, you want to meet up? And he said, sure. And this was after September 11th, uh, 2001, obviously. Well, sorry, this was after. Uh, and that was one of my goals. I wanted to pay my respects at Ground Zero. I will say this. I never got to do it. Because uh, my friend and I met up, I kind of lost all my other friends uh, that were there with me. And he was just showing me New York in his own style. And we kept on going to club, to club, to club, to club. Uh, it was amazing to me that there were so many places to drink uh, in New York, like one right next to another. And, uh, and I think I drank at every single one of them, which was not a good idea. Uh, I remember us going to a lesbian bar of all places. And just chit-chatting with people and, and not really understanding why people were giving us dirty looks. Uh, it wasn't afterwards that he told me that, hey, we were at an actual lesbian bar. Yeah, but I, I hang out there with a friend sometimes, and that's why I thought it would be cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're just drinking and laughing and telling old stories and just being mesmerized by the city. And not realizing that the people that I've come there with, my ride... At one point, they left, and so I was in New York on my own. Well, I'm sorry, with, with, with a pal, but I don't know the city. It's late at night. I've been drinking a lot, uh, and I did not know that I had just gotten into a drama situation. In the moment, I was just having the time of my life, and yeah, he and I uh, went up to this rooftop and ordered drinks, and we're just hanging out, 
and just to see the splendor of the city, all the lights, all the people still up and moving and energetic at whatever hour of the night that was, uh, that to me was incredible. And then going back to his place and crashing, waking up the next morning to a splitting headache and a stomach that wasn't feeling very well, and realizing that I got to get, now get back from New York City to Persephone, and he's got to go to work, so he can't help me. And the the only thing that I needed to do was to call a cab. And I'm like, well, this is where I need to go. And he didn't say anything, just kind of smiled and said, all right, well, I'll take you. $300 later, I get to Persephone, uh, crash for about 15 minutes, then put on uh, my coat and jacket and get back to early morning conferences. Needless to say, I had never been, well, I have been, but uh, this is one of the most painful mornings I have ever had. Uh, I feel bad for the taxi driver because I wasn't feeling well during the taxi cab ride. Uh, it's not not my most proudest moment, but uh, yeah, that was New York, uh, and that has been the one and only time that I've ever been there, so I do plan to return back and actually set out to see the city in the proper way. Uh, so, and, and also, like I said, pay my respects at, at the September 11 Memorial. Uh, it changed my life. It changed everybody's life, right? So I'm not alone in that. It's, it's just a very impacting, impacting thing for somebody my age, and so I would like to at least pay my respects at the foot of, of the old buildings. All right. Uh, what else? Oh, well, the smoke, uh, that smoked uh, cigars. I already said that. Uh, create life. I have two kids. I've lost dogs. I've lost chickens over the years. Uh, my children are, are are amazing to me, and and I am I am forever. Um, I, I I am I'm just in awe of how amazing my life has turned out with kids not in thinking that I was never going to have them to now being parent of two and also being a full-time parent uh, it, it, it's it's in, in, incredible that my wife and I chose to create two fantastic little lives and that and that we're helping guiding them through you know through this adventure so that's pretty amazing and yes I, I've lost people over the years uh, my dad probably was you know one of the hardest because we didn't have the best relationship um, you know, so I mourn him, and but also uh, lots of, I've had a couple of friends that have died prematurely, uh, and and and, but I think the, the losses, I, I am at that lucky stage where a lot of a lot of my friends have been gone. Uh, if anything, really, it's you know dogs that we've had that we that they're they're part of the family and they're gone. Uh, I will mourn them forever. Uh, you know that I have my chickens, and they were attacks. You know, well, we had an attack here from probably a mountain lion or a bobcat, and four of my uh, hens died, and I mourned them. Um, I hate seeing animals die. Um, it just sucks. So I'll just let it be at that. All right. I uh, in wrapping this thing up here, I've had moonshine. Uh, it, we were at a party in Arcadia. Somebody had made moonshine. I tried it. I, I I don't know how anybody drinks that, to be honest with you. Um, and, and, and how anybody would gulp it. I saw a kid gulp this thing. When I say a kid, I'm talking about somebody that's over eight, over 21, obviously, but much younger than me. 
and I saw a kid gulp that thing in that, and I was afraid for him. Uh, he's he's okay after the fact, but that shit is powerful. Uh, if I can go the rest of my life without ever have, drinking moonshine, I'm okay with that. I, it, that shit sucks. But yeah, my poison of choice is vodka. Uh, I drink it on the rocks more often than not. Uh, whiskey and I have a checkered past. I've had some bad interactions with whiskey. Uh, I'll just say this, I gulped down a whole, uh, about a half a bottle of Crown Royal one time at a fraternity party, and that did not turn out well. Don't do it, kids. No bueno. And I like wine. I don't necessarily like Chardonnays, although I will drink them. I like more the Cabernets or the Merlots. I like the red stuff. Um, and, and, and I think anybody that knows me in real life knows that I love uh, my spirits. And I am a happy drunk. I have never been a mean drunk. I do get a little bit oversensitive. I will attest to that. And, uh, and I've made a scene or two, uh, feelings-wise. Uh, what I'm doing now, though, is I used to think that I needed to have uh, some kind of libation before I started um, writing. I'm not doing that anymore. Uh, I felt that actually the quality of my writing really dipped when I was yeah, when I was drinking and, and and doing the writing, so I am not doing that anymore. And I have found that my writing is sharper, uh, that I'm really conveying ideas more. I think more than anything, I had this romantic idea of a troubled writer sitting at his computer with a glass with a glass of wine, pouring his feelings onto the page. And the reality is that I don't need that. And, and my wife pointed that out. And uh, after reading some of the things that I uh, jotted down, you know, after a few drinks and. And then I read them back myself, and I thought, no, that's that's not, that's not really my voice. It's a voice, but not my voice. Not at least not the one that I want to convey to people. So, I I don't do that anymore, um, and I'm very proud of that. So yeah, and there's a hell of a lot more. I, I, here's the thing, though, and it, you know, I, I screwed up that Tolkien quote. I think it was a Tolkien quote um, about you know stepping out the door and not knowing where you're going to end up. I grew up fairly sheltered. That's not shade on my parents. They were doing the best that they could, and, and they were being protecting, and, and we did live in a new culture that they didn't understand, and, and, and they, were, they were themselves were afraid of. But, and, and I think had I stayed with them longer, I would have ended up the same way, to be honest with you. But I am glad that I stepped out the door, and that I keep on stepping out the door. And that I'm teaching my kids to step out the door. Because it's, it's a big-ass world out there. There's so many amazing to see, uh, places to see. So many amazing people to talk to. Um, I, it's my nature. So I, I can't say this for everybody. But because I don't have a problem talking to strangers, I have had some of the best conversations uh, in, with, with complete, you know, with folks that I, I'll never know, I'll never meet again or I'll never see again. And, but they fuel me. They, they are, I have learned about a lot of different things that I may, I'll never use. It's useless trivia. But the fact that I had those experiences, I had those talks that I've clanked glasses with, with people that I'll never talk again, to me that's, uh, I, I don't know, I find a lot of virtue in that. So get out there. Go see the world. Go talk to strangers. Talk to me. Send me a Twitter message. I'll talk to you. You, if you're a good person with good, you know, with good intentions, and and you're an honest actor, I'll trust me. I will talk to you about anything. Uh, so, 
Again, I guess I need to ask you all to subscribe if you like what you're hearing. Uh, also to send me messages, I am at Hugo Realtor on the Twitter. I am Hugo Torres on the Instagram. You can also find me on the Facebook. I'm not hard to find there. Please give me your thoughts. Ask me your questions. I am here to help. I'll put some notes about some of the places that I've been to on the description. See you guys. Talk to you all soon.